0: Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Abdurrahman Malik. I'm canvassing the world for the most interesting people to hear about their journeys. Their work and what it means to be alive in the world today. And perhaps nobody has captured that experience of being alive better than the 13th century Persian poet and Sufi mystic Jalaluddin Rumi in his poem, The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. So welcome to This Being Human, a podcast inspired by Rumi's words and motivated by all those who carry that message forward in the world today. I don't know if you know this, Salim, but I, you know, when I put your name in Google, Google gives all of these interesting, you know, questions to ask about Salim Merchant. And the first, one of the first questions that comes up is, is Salim married? <laughs> <laughs> so clearly, Salim, you are a global heartthrob. Oh, I'm,
1: uh, you're making me feel so nice. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I want to know, Suleiman Pai, what's it like to be a global heartthrob's older brother? What it's is, great. That's
1: an odd question, <laughs> Abdurrahman. It's, it's great. But anyway. I,
0: wh- whatever, whatever brings
2: uh, uh, food to the table, whatever brings uh, fame to the table, it's, it's all good. <laughs> we love it.
0: Today, composing duo, Salim Suleyman. In India, composing songs for movies is kind of like writing the soundtrack to a country. The music of Bollywood is everywhere. Weddings, births, celebrations of all kinds. And brothers Salim and Suleiman Merchant are behind a lot of those hits. As the duo Salim Suleiman, they've composed background scores and beloved songs for dozens of films, such as Love Lavajkal, Bhut, and Chakte India. Their fame goes well beyond the Hindi movie scene. They're also pop music producers, recording in a wide variety of genres, from classical Indian music, to electronic dance music, to devotional hymns. They've written a FIFA World Cup anthem, remixed a Lady Gaga song, and last summer, they launched their own record label, Merchant Records. They joined me to talk about the secrets behind writing hit songs, what it's like to spend decades working with a sibling, and why Bollywood is such a major cultural force around the world. Salim Merchant, Suleiman Merchant, welcome to This Being Human. Thank you, Iyar. Thank you so much. You know, I'm the eldest in a South Asian Punjabi family. And, you know, in Desi families, it's always an insult if we don't go to the older brother first. So, the <laughs> Bhai, I'm going to start with you. How do you make a hit song?
2: Well, uh, you don't make a hit song. You make a good song. And then you hope that it becomes a hit. Because if you try to make a hit song, you might miss it completely. But... Uh, I guess the, the way to do it is uh, to be true to yourself. You have to make sure that you're uh, being true to your script. You imagine what the actor is going to be doing while the song is going on. And uh, once you start imagining all these things, it becomes easier. And, you know, then I guess it's the gift of God Almighty. You just sit down in front of your instrument and a melody comes through.
0: You work together as brothers, and you work together so closely, and your identity is so tied to one another. So, Salim, it makes me wonder, who does what in the process? Well, I mean, from a
1: very young age, um, you know, I studied keyboards and piano, and Suleiman studied drums and percussion, and we both tried to bleed into each other then, you know, when we were kids. Suleiman learned the piano, but obviously chose drums. And so did I, I tried the drums, but I was too young to move my hands and legs. So I thought piano and harmonium is more comfortable. So I moved there. And even till today, uh, you know, I try and uh, I mean, I do the melody, uh, melo- melodic stuff and Suleiman does the rhythmic percussion stuff. Uh But again, we do bleed into each other's, uh, you know, areas because music is both me- melody and rhythm. And I always say music is about people. And it's not just me and Suleiman, but then when more other musicians come in and join us, whether it's on stage or whether it's in a recording, there's more life, there's more soul, there's more love. And that's what keeps the music
2: alive.
0: Suleiman Bhai, what's it like to work with your brother?
2: We've been doing it for so many years that it doesn't actually feel like work. And, uh, I guess we are both fortunate to be able to have the same kind of passion. That's the key behind this. Of course we have our arguments and like most brothers do, we fought earlier. We've done all of that, you know, now we've been working for 28 years, maybe 29 years together. It doesn't feel like we need to go into arguments and any of that because we have a connection, we have a link between ourselves. And uh, that is something very, very
1: rare. It is a very deep connection. Look, we grew up learning music together, listening to music together. Our father was our biggest idol. We played in a band together uh, when we were kids, we were just teenagers. And uh, to add to the reality, obviously there is there are, there's friction, and but there's you know there's always healthy discussions. I would say sometimes even arguments, but um, it's never about. Who's right? It's always about making good music. Mm. And uh, it's never about who wins,
0: because music always wins. Both of you have mentioned your dad, Saduddin Merchant Saab. and you know, he was the leader of the Ismaili Scouts, and my understanding is that he wrote more than four thousand five hundred songs for 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 movies. I'm so intrigued um, to hear, Suleiman Bhai, what was on the record player in your house as you were growing up? What was the music <laughs> that you were listening to? We were actually listening to pretty much everything.
2: We were listening to Ghazals. We were listening to Yeats, uh, which is in Gujarati. Uh, we used to listen to Boney M and Abba as well. We had uh, those uh, 44 RPM record players, Our dad exposed us to every kind of music. Also, what he did was uh, he left the films in 1962 and started manufacturing uh, musical instruments. And he started composing songs which were devotional. And so, you know, if you see our discography, you'll see a lot of devotional songs in there because it does come a little bit from our dad as well, because he was very into uh, devotional music. So his thing was every day in the morning, he'd wake up, have his three cups of tea and he would have his uh, small uh, keyboard on his lap and he would do some accounts and then play something and then he would take a phone call and then he would play something. And his, his keyboard was always next to him and his instrument was always next to him till he left for work, which was right opposite our house and it was right there. We would be able to go to the workshop and see all the instruments. I would go and fiddle around with whatever, you know, whatever percussions were lying around, whatever instruments were lying around. So it was one of those environments that you grew up in where music came to us very naturally. It was just in the evenings we would, you know, we would hear uh, either our dad teaching somebody the various different instruments or he would be rehearsing with his band and we would hear that. Or we'd be at home and some new record would have come and we would be hearing that or we'd be hearing some cassettes. Or... There was always music around us.
0: Do you remember your first like joint composition? Absolutely, both of us do.
1: Yeah. When We Are The World came out, we were both like, wow, what is this? You know, so many artists coming together and doing something so grand for Africa was such a big thing. It was the music had soul, but it also had purpose. And we both were very attracted to that piece. And um, we thought of covering that song and at that point our father had this uh, sequencer which was i mean it was a keyboard called wise 200 it was a yamaha keyboard and you know it had a 16 track sequencer and like you know uh and uh eight so we said sequencer. okay fine eight track sequencer and so we had seven tracks of music and then we dedicated one track to uh, uh to to rhythm and then there was a sampler in it and it was like and so we created a cover of The Other World. I won't get elaborate on that, but it, it was such a big, big achievement for us. We thought we made our first record, you know, even though it was a cover. It was such an achievement. I think we didn't sleep for 48 hours or more. And uh, it was like we were completely addicted to this passion of creating music. And that's when we both knew that this is the beginning of something Inshallah, something big. That was quite some time ago. I think that was when I was probably 14 or something. So um, it was probably like 33 years ago. That's incredible. But our first actual album, which released was in 1992. It was called Raga Raga, which is kind of like a a rap slash classical album.
2: That also won us the first uh, award, by the way. Yeah. It was the first. Uh, uh, it was the best composition or best pop composition
0: award. I had read somewhere that that you had started at the beginning of your professional career also making jingles. Yeah, and you know one of the things that I remember about going to Pakistan and to you know visit my family as uh, as, as a young person was watching Pakistani television and hearing these incredibly addictive jingles. For the television commercials. And I I remember after a summer in Rawalpindi and Lahore and Multan and Karachi, you know, I would come home and I'd have all these jingles in my head. And I always used to tell my friends that American Canadian television has nothing on the television back home because they know how to get under your skin. How do you strike the balance when writing a jingle between being annoying and being catchy?
2: Well, it was the same thing. You had to be catchy to the point of annoying. You had to be (laughs) able to get into a person's head in 30 seconds. And actually, when you do a cut-down, it was only 15 seconds. And we, we did thousands of commercials. Getting the knowledge, getting the insight of how to be able to catch a person in 15 seconds was really helpful when we came down to actually composing songs. I remember the very first few ones that we did was uh, Every day and every hour, you've got the visa power. There's so much more you can discover when you've got the visa power. So it was one of those, you know, it, it stays in your head all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I, I love it. It's like it's, I, th- this description that you have of like, it's almost like, The express hook, you know, every song is a hook, but you got to get to the hook right away and you got to make sure it stays.
2: There's no wasting time because every second was worth uh, millions
0: of rupees (laughs) on advertising. (laughs) During this time, Salim and Suleiman were also producing pop songs, but their path to the film industry was an unusual one. It happened through a chance encounter in the early '90s with the celebrated filmmaker Sanjay Gupta.
1: So we were working on a on a jingle again at a studio, and uh, we were doing something for Cadbury, the chocolate company. It had a very big orchestral sound, and it had a, like a lot of voices and a choir, kind of a gothic. Orchestral sound, and we were playing it pretty loudly at a studio that we rented, and uh, you know the doors kept opening. And Sanjay Gupta was editing his film in the in the suite next door, and he kept listening to this gothic sound. So he got intrigued, and he knocked, and he asked if he could listen to what he was, you know, which he which he was hearing from the next room. So we invited him in, and he heard the piece and he just asked us that do you know you guys want to like work on a movie or are you interested in doing a score and we said of course we are and that's it and we started working on his film Hamesha which he expected a very gothic orchestral sound And that was the first film. We also got nominated for that film, uh, for Filmfare. And it, it really sort of got us on, in the, on the map, you know, with, with Hindi films. I hate to use the word Bollywood. I would say Indian films. And that's, uh, that was a big thing because in 94, very early in our career, we got nominated for this film, Hamesha. Uh, and a lot of people saw work and, and after that, there was no stopping.
0: Salim, Bahai, I'm intrigued by what you just said, particularly your allergy to the term Bollywood. Could you unpack that for us a little bit?
1: I think it's a very westernized way of calling. Also, Bollywood's connected to a, a lot of. I mean, people think of dance moves and you know, kind of like just the song and dance thing of you know, which is in in. I mean, any in the Western world, it's called musical. And I, I would, I'd rather like use the same word. I would say a Indian film musical, you know, for a, I mean, of course, all our, mostly all our films are musicals because they all have song and dance. Uh, but I still like to call it Indian films versus uh, Bollywood.
2: No, also, if you look at it now, Bollywood basically represents only uh, the Hindi films. Whereas Indian cinema is actually now not just, uh, not just Hindi, it's uh you have, uh, just in Maharashtra, you have Marathi, you have Tamil cinema, you have Telugu, Kannada, Malayalam, uh, uh, Punjabi cinema, lots of it. Lots of Punjabi stuff coming out. Lots of beautiful films coming out from the East. You know, you can't call Bollywood, uh, that's not what Indian cinema is. Bollywood is just one small section, well, a large, very large section, but… It's still a small section compared to all the other stuff that is representative of the Indian cinema.
0: Will you help the Aga Khan Museum make this being human even better? Take five minutes to fill out a short survey and tell us what you think. By providing your feedback, you'll help us measure our impact and reach more people with extraordinary stories from some of the most interesting artists, thinkers, and leaders on the Kaleidoscope of Muslim Experience. To participate, go to agakhanmuseum.org slash tbh survey. And thank you for listening to This Being Human. So, Bhai when you're handed a movie to make music for what does that look like so it
2: usually comes in a bound script if there is no bound script there's a narration and a fairly large uh descriptive narration which takes you into the story and the minute you know you have to have a little bit of imagination while you're going through the narration or when you're reading the script uh, you start imagining all the various things that are going to happen and then specifically go to the section where the song is going to be, and you see what's coming before that and what is going to follow the song. And you grab that mood as well and then go into composing the song. The film itself gives you the colors. You start imagining what kind of instrumentation it's going to be, what kind of genre of music it's going to be. And for a film like Kurban, we knew we're going to make a song like Shukran Allah. We didn't know it was going to be Shukran Allah, but we knew there was going to be a Sufi song because uh, Saif Ali Khan goes to the mosque and he's just finished praying and says, thank you Allah for all the love that I have. And so, you know, you take that and then you go into a song which has to have a esque love story to it. You can't do anything else over there. You can't have a club song. Right? So the the colors and the instruments and the, the fabric of the song comes from reading the script or from the narration.
0: What is it, Salim Bhai, about Indian cinema that captivates and and that grabs audiences from Nigeria to America, from Scandinavia to South Africa. I've traveled all over the world. And there's one kind of cinema that I have found to be almost universal. And it's Indian cinema. First of all, thank
1: you for not saying it, Bollywood. (laughs) I think there are multiple things. First of all, I feel it's a very strong emotion, Uh, you know, be it a romantic emotion, be it father, mother, son. These are very strong emotions which. Indian cinema has been able to capture for years now. You know, be it separation of two lovers, be it separation of a mother and father or or just a person being far away from the motherland. The other emotion which is really strong is music and dance. A piece of cinema that can capture all these romantic romance, separation, drama, action, music, dance, gives the viewer a complete experience you know and uh, i feel that it doesn't need to be uh, need to have any language because there are certain things which are so human that it it's you know even if you don't put subtitles people from other uh, countries can understand because it's it's really out there you know thirdly and the last thing is like man there are 1.3 billion Indians just living in India i'm not catching indians pakistanis Bangladeshis, uh, sri lankans living outside india you know i'm only talking about people living in india is 1.3 billion people which means every seventh guy which makes us a massive audience you know what i mean it's <laughs> so, true. That, so it's that's true. like so i mean it's just numbers you know i mean it's crazy
2: we indians are a song and dance nation right We've always had that and uh, when you look at it now, you know, you you hear the music that's going on in the West and sure, it's it's got its appeal and it's got its uh, beauty, but what's classic is a song that you would be able to hear again and again and again and will never die because these are the songs that, you know, have pain, these are songs that have love and that is what Indian cinema was built on. You have a song for every emotion. Of course, we love the fact that we are slightly over the top in everything that we do, right? Everything is magnanimous, it's huge, everything is massive. So, a lot of the Westerners look at that sometimes and wonder, hey, what's going on? Is it really like this? Are these people really like that? Because when you see Hollywood and you see uh, Western cinema has evolved over the last hundred years, we are still in that period where a lot of uh, cinema that comes out is still mushy and still has that, you know, I'll die for my brother and I'll, I'll kill for my mother and, you know, all of that. So that emotion is something that a lot of people connect to deep inside. And a lot of people laugh at also sometimes. It's a complete entertainment package. That is what uh, Indian cinema is, is all about.
0: I've found in listening to your music deeply moved by so much of it and deeply moved by by the devotional music that you do your collaboration for example with Abida Parveen who I uh, grew up listening to in my in my parents home was just was just stunning how is the process of of writing devotional music d- different from composing a film song or a pop song or is it different it's not really when you're making
1: a love song, you know your spirit and your feeling towards that is for two characters when you're making a devotional song, it's truly your story, which is actually very easy uh y- your faith, your belief in the Almighty, and that is something which all you have to do is just open your heart and do a prayer uh in the form of music, and you know I wish. Uh, we would make more devotional songs, uh, you know, because it gives us a lot of peace and it spreads a lot of happiness in this world. And I think music is such an amazing force that really binds and spreads so much joy and happiness in the world to unite people, people from all different castes and uh, faith, to come together as one human race. Music truly is a, a beautiful force for that. And devotional music is something that has been going on for centuries that will continue to go on for centuries. It's something that will always stay as part of human culture.
0: What does this being human mean to you?
2: It's such deep knowledge of, you know, whatever is happening around you, take it in its positivity rather than look at the negative because Everything is a lesson, if you look at it like that.
1: For me, being human is by giving happiness to humans. Because the best way for you to feel happy is to give happiness to other people. And that is the best form of happiness.
0: Suleiman Merchant, Salim Merchant. This has been such an honor and a pleasure. Thank you for joining me on This Being Human.
2: Thank you, Abdul Thank
0: you, you. AR It's been a pleasure. This Being Human is an Antica production. Our senior producer is Kevin Sexton. Our executive producer is Pissette Matar. Mixing and sound design by Phil Wilson. Production assistance by Nicole Edwards. Our intern is Annie McLeod. Original music by Boombox Sound. Antica's executive producers are Kathleen Goldhar and Lisa Gabriel. Stuart Cox is the president of Antica Productions. This being human is generously supported by the Aga Khan Museum, one of the world's leading institutions that explores the artistic, intellectual, and scientific heritage of Islamic civilizations around the world. For more information about the museum, go to www.agakhanmuseum.org. The museum wishes to thank Nader and Shabin Muhammad for their philanthropic support to develop and produce this being human.